Amen. Um, Mark 5, 25, familiar passage of Scripture, I'm sure, to most. But a um, little different take on it this morning, okay? I just kind of had this on my heart, so I'm sharing with you. Uh, making and working the plan. Look in Mark 5, if you would. And we'll read the story and then come back and make some remarks about it, all right? Praise God. Hopefully we learn something. Uh, I, I know that when I saw this, uh, it's not new revelation, but just maybe a different angle. You know, if you've ever had a, a prism or a piece of crystal or a diamond or something, that sometimes it'll catch the light in a way that you haven't seen before. And, uh, and then you can, you can say, oh, I appreciate this from this angle. Amen. And so it's kind of a different angle or a different way of view of reading this and looking at it. So let's read it and we'll get into it. Uh, a certain woman, uh, which means this is not a parable. This is not a fable or a tale. This is an actual report of an actual person in the Bible. We don't know her name, but uh, we know that she, you know, was a, a, a real, this is a real story, a historical account. A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. That means she was hemorrhaging for 12 years. That's a long time, isn't it? Uh, we don't know why she was hemorrhaging. There could be speculation on that. But the point is that if you keep hemorrhaging, <laughs> you know, you're not going to survive because uh, eventually the day will come when you hemorrhage too much on that day and, and uh, your heart will stop. So really, this is something that a slow death. We don't know what pain was involved. We don't know what the name of the disease was, but she is in trouble. And it's serious enough that we read more of, of, of what happened with her. It says, had suffered many things of many physicians. Uh, so this shows you that this was not a, a, a poverty-stricken woman. She's not, she's not a street person. She's not poor. Because it said that she had many doctors. And if you have many doctors, you better be able to pay them. There's no health insurance in Israel at this time. So obviously, uh, she's having to pay out of her supply, these doctors. And I know that they were charging her because it says had spent all that she had. So she had money and it said that she had spent it all on doctors. Uh, did you know that this still goes on today? There are people who will spend all they have on health care. And uh, the number one cause of bankruptcy in uh, the United States is health care costs that go uh, above what a person and their insurance and whatever they have is able to pay. Um, many times a cancer case will cost as much as $3 million to uh, to try to cure or eradicate or whatever. And uh, even with insurance, when you're up there in the $3 million range, and there's caps on all that, and I don't mean to get into insurance today, but to show you, just kind of bring it up to modern thinking where this woman was at. She had, she had obviously, she was standing probably at the door of abject poverty and standing at the door of homelessness. Because when you've spent all that you have, 
And then also, she wasn't any better. And we know people like that very much firsthand, who spent all and went through, went through every treatment and every possible uh, thing, medical idea that they had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. So that's her. This is who we're looking at today. This is her condition. She's not just sitting by. I want you to get a picture of her, too. She's not ignorant. She's not uneducated. She's obviously smart enough to try and cure herself. She's been to every doctor. She's spent all of her money. She's She knows if she can get her health back that she can probably open a business or work or do something. But she can't do anything as long as she's so weakened in this condition. It's interesting, too, that, you know, if you lose a lot of blood consistently, you're going to have a weakened uh, immune system. Also, you're going to be weak in physical strength. And uh, there's a reason I'm telling you that. And it says here, let's let's see what happened when she met Jesus. Praise the Lord. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, I want you to see just that part. What had she heard about Jesus? See, it's important what we hear about Jesus. And in some places, they would tell you, well, it might not be God's will. It might not be Jesus' will to touch you and heal you. And obviously, she didn't hear that. And uh, or any failures that Jesus had had in the ministry. <laughs> well, you know, he's prayed for a lot of people, but not very many have a testimony. Apparently, she heard good things. Now, his fame, the Bible says that his fame, in uh, other passages, his fame was noised abroad. His fame was noised abroad. Jesus was famous for miracles. He was famous for divine healing. He was famous for saying yes. Amen. And we're so afraid he's going to say no. <laughs> and religion has done that to us and messed us up. But thank God, I don't know about you, I declare that I have a renewed mind. <laughs> and I'm still getting mine renewed to the word and getting religion. Brother Hagen uh, said one time that he had a vision. He had been Baptist and then Pentecostal uh, uh, in a denomination. And he said that, he had a vision, the Lord, he was praying and so forth. And the Lord showed him this vision of some like seaweed looking thing that got pulled up right out of his mouth and right out of his inner being. And and he said, Lord, what's that? And he said, that's your Baptist tradition. <laughs> he said, well, I thought I got rid of all that. He goes, well, there was some left, so I pulled it out. Well, then he said the second part of the dream was, or the vision, he saw Another, uh, like a limb that came out with seaweed all over it and a, an old boot, I think, was attached and right, something like that. Pulled out, it was even uglier and worse. And he said, what's that? He said, that's your Pentecostal tradition. <laughs> well, he said, I thought that was a good one. <laughs> well, I think, you know, some of us have had to be delivered from a lot of things. And... uh uh, I say, deliver me, Lord. You know, I'm telling you, we have word of faith tradition that might look a little nasty if we pulled it out and saw what that looked like. 
But, uh, and we love everybody. Don't get me wrong. We're, we love Baptists and Pentecostals and Word of Faith. But, um, um, thank God that they didn't get to her before she got to Jesus. <laughs> A lot of them. Amen. Because, uh, uh, can I just pick on our Word of Faith group a little bit here? If you're not careful, before you even have a chance to exercise faith, somebody will ask you this question, which will get you off of believing God onto self-analysis. Um, the question will be, where do you think you opened the door to let this in? Now, see, there's a lot attached to that. Now, we have enough sense to know that you could do that. You could open the door. You could do make unhealthy choices and give that gives the devil opportunity to work right or or just completely rebel against the word completely rebel against god's people and all that and open the door and get in trouble you go into open sin and uh and and come down i, I there was a young man that came to rama in the uh back in the day and uh when we had kerosene lamps and horse and buggy <laughs> Kidding. Anyway, uh, going on the old west trail, you know. But anyway, uh, we had, um, a young man that came and, and a very sharp guy and, and, and he had, uh, he was there just for a week. He's from another country. But so you look at him, you think, well, he looks like the picture of health. What could be wrong? Well, he had contracted an STD from, uh, his girlfriend had broke up with him, and he got upset and mad and went out and got into sin in the house of ill repute, came out with more than he bought, praise the Lord, uh, with a, with an STD. And, and so he was under such condemnation about that. To get his healing, it was difficult. And I told him, I said, you've got to get yourself free from the condemnation. Yeah, you made a mistake. You did something stupid. Uh, because he had a new girlfriend that he wanted to marry, and now his heart was right, and he said, I don't want to, you know, pass on anything to her. So he didn't even want to tell her what had happened. That's understandable, too. <laughs> but he said, I'm going to have to. But he said, man, this is no, no way to start a marriage. And I said, well, the Lord, healing belongs to you. Just even though you've made a horrible mistake and and uh, and, and openly sinned, uh, and open the door. So I'm saying that story anyway. Praise God. I think we were able to help him some. I don't know what happened. He left town and never saw him again. But what I'm trying to tell you is that, uh, yes, there is a truth there that we can open the door to sickness and poverty and being foolish with our money or being frivolous or stupid, right? And, uh, and, and, and cause some temporary problems. But even if you're a person who's done that, the point is, is what does that have to do with receiving healing now? With receiving things now? And so we have this, this idea that maybe if you caused it, uh, somehow or cooperated with the devil to receive that sickness or that illness, perhaps I'm in the weeds a little today, but I just think it's good that I call it getting in the weeds. Brother Hagen called it a rabbit trail. But the rabbit trail might put you in the weeds. And sometimes he said these side journeys help us as much as the main thing. 
But I think we need to hear this and just uh, expo- put, put a light on it. If it's, if it's worth saying, it's worth looking at. And so there is a truth there. Don't want to discount that. You do something stupid, you're liable to come up with a stupid result. Whatever seeds you sow, that's the fruit you're gonna, you're going to reap, right? Am I right? But, on the other hand, uh, that's not, you need a miracle, you need a healing, that's not necessarily the thing you need to focus on, is where did I open the door, what thing did I do wrong, why is this on me, oh my, boo ba 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 So, I don't know why this woman had the issue of blood or what she did to open the door for it to happen to her. The Bible doesn't even say that. She just is sick and needs a healing, and Jesus is the healer. And that's the number one thought. So I've told people before, go on and get your healing, and then you can analyze maybe how, if you contributed to it, maybe you could go back and analyze that and and make some adjustments. Amen? But then at the same time, get your healing first. Because Jesus already died. He already paid the price. It belongs to you. Take it by faith. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm helping you. I'm helping me. That works for finances. It works for whatever else. Um, well, thank God, whatever she heard about Jesus inspired her faith. And she must have heard good things, right? And it said she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now that, that was the, that was the plan of action, you know, in play. But I want you to see something here is that she premeditated this action. This was a plan. For she had said, I can say had said because it's past tense. Said is past tense. So I'm not altering the scripture. For she said, or she had said, she said previously, obviously, before the occurrence of the action, she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Glory. Now, this means that she made a plan. This is a planning woman because she's been to a lot of doctors. If you know, if you go to a lot of doctors, you better be a planner. You better have a calendar and you better write down their name and the phone number and the time because you get a bunch of them going and you can get a little confused. And then you get there. They want you to hurry up to wait. You get there. uh, If you get there on time, they make you wait 45 minutes. That's just in the waiting room before you go to the other room. And then. But if you're five minutes late, they'll cancel it. So I don't know. We're all at their mercy. Um, but I wanted you to see this premeditated plan that she had. And it's so good for our faith to think like this. Is that when you, so you have a problem. Okay. What it is is what it is. Whatever the issue is. It, uh, faith is not denying that there's a problem. Faith is not an ostrich with his head in the sand when he sees a lion coming. Uh, 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 well, if I put my head in the sand, there won't be a lion. I won't see one. 
but it doesn't mean he's still not coming. So faith is not denying that there's a problem. Faith is not being in denial, as we say. And people will say to me, well, you're in denial. I'm not, I'm not in denial. I'm in Florida. <laughs> denial is in Egypt. So I'm not in denial. <laughs> That's really bad. I need, I need to get new writers for the, for the humor part. That's what Carol Burnett would say when her, when her joke would bomb. I need new writers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you can be in denial, and just because you're in denial doesn't automatically mean you're also in faith. And so, we're not denying by being in faith and calling those things that be not as though they were and confessing the word and confessing good things over ourselves and our loved ones and money and, and, and health and those things. We're not saying there's not a challenge. We're not saying there's not a problem. But what we're saying is we're overcomers. And the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. And that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Preach, Pastor. Praise God. So it says here, uh, straightway. Now, so she had this plan. And so faith, this is what I want to say, just an attribute of faith today. Faith makes a plan. Faith states the plan. There's kind of a vision casting with faith. Amen. Now, Kenneth Hagin, I know, you know, he came to our church in 1970 uh, in uh, <laughs> the last week of January, the first week of February, 10 days uh, in 1970. I had a birthday during the meeting. February 8th was towards the end of the the, the first, the second week. And uh, so in 1970, I turned the grand old age of 13 during Brother Hagen's meeting. And uh, he would, what he would do is he would say, now every Thursday night, because he would, he would not hold a meeting by then less than 10 days. Now, 20 years before that, he wouldn't hold one less than three weeks. But then you kind of run out of places that want to run three weeks. So you, you know, you, you shorten it up. So he said, I'll, I'll come. He told my father who invited him. He said, I'll come to your church and I'll preach 10 days, two services a day, uh, except for Saturdays. We'll take Saturdays off, give a, you know, have a rest. Um, so also because of the Sunday morning meeting, you don't want to hurt that. Amen. So he said, uh, we'll do 20, 20 meetings in 10 days. And, uh, but he said, now on Thursday, now he started announcing this from the get go. He said, on Thursday, where I'm going to give, especially on Thursday, I'm going to give my testimony of how God raised him from the deathbed. And, and, uh, he was on his way to hell and he cried out and the angel pulled him back, you know, and then he, he accepted Jesus and called on the name of the Lord for salvation. He died again and went to heaven the second time. And uh, the Lord said, 
you're not finished with your work, you sent him back. <laughs> and he t- t- told the testimony of how, of how by faith he received his healing. I don't have time today to go into it, but sometime I'll retell that if you want to hear it. It's a wonderful testimony that Brother Hagen, we, we all memorized it. Anyway, because you heard it every week on Thursday. So, uh, Thursday night, he said, now on Thursday night, I'm going to give, especially give my testimony, bring, uh, and then I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And he says, now I'll lay hands on the sick every other night for those who cannot be here Thursday night. But he said, uh, um, if you can be here, I want you to wait to get in the healing line. Well, that sounds strange. You know, wait, why would we wait? We have faith, we have oil, we have whatever we need. <laughs> Amen. Why would we wait? And he said, I'm, because I want you, if you can come to every, he said, let me tell you how to get the best out of this meeting. Come to every session. Uh, if you have to take a week off from work and make it your vacation, it's worth it. He said, come to the morning meetings. Where we're going to be teaching an hour and then uh, break for lunch the afternoon. And then uh, at night, we'll have a Holy Ghost meeting and I'll be led by the Spirit. Amen. And so, Brother Hagen did that. He did lay hands on people every night, but he said, this is only for those who, for whatever reason, you cannot. This is the only time you can be here. You can't be here towards the weekend. He said, I will pray for you, but I'm asking you, if you can wait, to please wait. So that I, it's really so he could correct them and get everybody on the right page. Because a lot of times folks would come and they're blowing snot and crying by the time they get to the second pew to get in the healing line because they're just upset. There's no faith to it. It's pity and pathetic. And uh, nowhere does the Bible say God's moved by pity and pathetic. He's moved by faith. Amen. And so uh, he uh, would have to correct some of their traditions that was ingrained in our church. And some folks had been crying about the same condition for 40 years and got no better. Well, you know the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over, expecting new results. It's not going to happen. So Brother Hagen was trying to get them to do something this woman did, is what I'm getting at. So he would say, let's make a plan. Now what we're going to do, he says, if you can, come to every session. And number two, start confessing that on Thursday night, when Kenneth Hagin lays hands on me, the healing power of God is going to come into my body, and uh, I'll mix my faith with it, and it will affect a healing and a cure. I will walk out of this church building Thursday night healed and whole in Jesus' name. Well, uh, people uh, did that. Most people, there was a few that didn't like it, but doesn't like to be told anything. But most people said, you know what, I'm going to do that. That's something different. And so, uh, again, if you want something you've never had, you, you, you might have to do something you've never done. And that's what this woman did. She wanted something she didn't uh, had ever re- obtained, but she did something she'd never done. And that was <laughs> one thing. She broke the Mosaic Law. Now, all these Moses Law people running around these days, I don't know what Bible they're reading, but apparently the whole book of Hebrews has fallen out under the street because they don't, they, I don't know where all this, 
well, stand on the old covenant. Well, no, it was done away with, according to the Apostle Paul, and the new was instituted. And there, if there, what, if the old had not been faulty, there would have been no need for the new. That's what the Bible tells us. And so, anyway, Moses' law said that she should not be out in public with a hemorrhaging situation. And, uh, so she had to kind of choose. This is a, you see this all the time in Jesus' stories. She had to kind of choose, am I gonna stick with Moses' law, stay in, see the doctors, and continue to, can continue to bleed to death, or am I gonna do something I've never done? <laughs> And you know what? She probably thought, I'm dying anyway. What have I got to lose? So she, she runs the risk of, of doing something different and unique. And she runs, she runs out there and, um, uh, to, to the, um, street where she's not supposed to be around people. Kind of like a COVID deal. She's not supposed to be around anybody. <laughs> and she runs out there and goes and says, um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna touch the hem of his garment. That's all. I'm just gonna sneak out there, get down low. Now she's gotta be down low to get to the hem. You don't touch the hem standing up full straight, erect. You gotta get down. So she's on the ground. Probably so she's not detected too by the, you know, the, the rule mongers. And she gets down and she touches the hem of his garment. And it said, for she had said that, if I may touch. So she, she made a plan. She did something she'd never done. She reached out and touched him. And what she said come, came to pass. Well, because, you know, Mark 11, which hadn't, which is later in the book, just because that's the first time we read, you have what you say, doesn't mean it wasn't working yet. It wasn't like the federal government, where nothing's happening, and then they announce it, and then something happens. This is eternal truths. So what Jesus revealed to us, by the Holy Spirit, and what the Apostle Paul revealed to us by the Holy Spirit and other writers, these have been true since the beginning. You understand, faith didn't start in 1972 with Brother Hagen and Brother Copeland. They didn't invent it. That would have been God's idea. <laughs> Amen. So these are, even if somebody didn't, she had obviously never been taught Mark 11, because it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> so she's, she's taught, she hasn't been at the, at the faith school, the Bible class or whatever, to understand this. She did it from her own leading of the Lord, I believe, led her, the Holy Spirit, you know the Holy Spirit cares about folks that aren't even saved yet? None of these people in any of these stories have been saved yet. And they're doing mighty things. How about that? Oh, that'll preach. That'll get you banned from 
three conventions and two prayer meetings. So, again, she had a plan. She said the plan, and she worked the plan. Now, we need to do some of this in our own lives, folks. We need to declare some things. And uh, and then we need to, to do, if there's any kind of corresponding action that we can do. And I've asked the Lord, Lord, how do I, how do I act my faith on this one? On this miracle, on this need, what can I do? The seed for every miracle is already in your life. It's already in your hand. It's already in your heart. And I'm not talking about just financial seed. It might be that, and it sometimes is. But sometimes it's just an act of obedience or something you should say or something you should say to someone else. Amen. So I think we need to slow down a little. Sometimes we just so want to rush into prayer and rush into claiming and rush into naming and doing. I think sometimes we need to back off a little bit and say, you know, I'm I'm going to meditate on this a little. Not just the problem, but I'm going to see what, what does the Bible say about my health? What does the Bible say about my wallet? What does the Bible say about my storage places? Uh, uh, accounts that I have. What does the Bible say about something is against me? And I, and I begin to read the word and then uh, meditate that or think about it or just quote it if it's in your heart. And you, and you'd say, okay, I, I understand what the situation is. I understand what the word says about it. I understand what God's attitude is now. Okay. I'm listening, Lord. Is there something that I should do? I want to take action. I want to put action to my faith. I want to have a plan. I want to be able to say the plan. I want to be able to write it down. I want to be able to put it on a three by five card and, and carry it around in my wallet or whatever, you know, in my pocket. I want to be able to work this thing out. And I believe that if you'll do that and put some diligence with it, you'll see a huge change. It's very practical, but if the word's not practical, it's not any good for us. Jesus. Some people say, misquote scripture, and they say, you know, the Bible says that truth will set you free. It doesn't say that. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In other words, it's not just the truth that sets you free. It's the truth you know. And so the truth you don't know has no effect on you. It doesn't help you at all. Amen. So, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? which proves that he didn't have a premeditated list to check to see if she's on it or not. If, if, if there's any scripture that disproves Calvinism, it's that one right there. Because he didn't check to see if it was God's will or not. She extracted the power with her own faith. 
What a great sermon that is sometime. How to extract the power of God. Lord, please, please, oh, please let it be your will. Oh, please, please. No, that isn't the idea. The idea is to take your faith and with your hands of faith, reach and touch the garment of Jesus and extract from him, who is our all in all, what we need. Hallelujah. You know it's like a hummingbird. That's what you need to be like a hummingbird. You ever have one of them little hummingbird feeders, you know? And uh, here comes the hummingbirds, humming, humming. I guess they're humming. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's, that's why. I guess they hum. So here they're humming along, and they come, and their little wings make a little sound. And if, you know, supposedly and whatever. Anyway, here comes the hummingbirds, and they don't stop and check with John Calvin to see if they're supposed to have any nectar. They just stick that beak right in that little plastic flower thing and extract what they want and need. Amen. It's the same with a bee, a honey bee extracting the pollen or collecting the pollen from the flower. Amen. And the and and that's that's a good story because you know Jesus said if God will feed the sparrow and take care of birds and take and and clothe the landscape with flowers, how much more will he take care of you? Does he only care for birds? Does he care for you even more? Amen. And so, wow, that's really good, I think, <laughs> is take your faith. Be a hummingbird. <laughs> We're the hummingbird for Jesus program. I can see that now. But uh we've had it all, haven't we? But... uh <laughs> Be a hummingbird for Jesus. In other words, uh, for faith, take your little beak and stick it in that flower and extract from the powerhouse what you need to meet your, to meet your need in life. Amen. I'm going to just touch, touch Jesus. I might sneak up from behind like she did and touch his garment. Amen. Uh, I'll tell this story because it's hysterical. And Scarlett was there and I was there back in 1980. My father was filling in at uh, Rama, uh one week or doing some teaching at healing school. And so we're sitting there and he was preaching from the same passage and he decided to just quote it. You know, he was all excited. My dad would, they said he would fight bees when he preached because his arms would flail and and everything. And he says, if you can't fight bees when you're preaching, you're not worth your weight in salt. But that's just a certain style of delivery. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, my dad got all excited and decided he was gonna, gonna quote this passage. And he said, for she said, if I can just touch him on the behind, I know I'll be made whole. <laughs> well, now the minute you know, Mr. Smart Alec here, the minute that he, that he said that, I said, so that's the answer. And the whole place just lost it. I mean, we lost the meeting really for a minute there. So we don't want to get the behind in the wrong place here in Scripture. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. 
But it's kind of true. She didn't touch him on the behind, but she did come from behind and, and touched his garment to where he's, he's looking around to see who touched the hem of his garment on the back side of the garment. Cause she didn't want to, she didn't want to get shooed away or, you know, the PPAs send him off or whatever. If you don't know what a PPA is, it's personal pastoral assistant. And uh, many churches have those. And you don't want to tangle with those people. Because they'll call security and it'll be all over. All right. Uh, but she's, <laughs> she's not, she's, she's not wanting to be, uh, shooed away or, or told she can't do that or you shouldn't be here. So she, she sneaked, kind of sneaked in her miracle. Now, if she can sneak in her miracle, not even being yet born again and filled with the spirit in the same way that we are, uh, what more should we be able to go directly, go boldly to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need? Amen. And stick your beak in the flower and extract the power. Wow, that rhymes. Praise God. You know, if I was on TBN, they'd make a little thing that says that on it. It looked like a hummingbird feeder. Gold-plated, you put it on the desk. Hallelujah. They should hire me for marketing. Glory. So he, he obviously didn't know that who she was because he said, who touched me? He didn't know if she was on the list or not on the list. His disciples said unto him, what's wrong with you? Basically, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me. They're like, they're like saying, you gotta be kidding. You gotta be kidding. Who touched me? Hundreds of people have touched you. Dozens at least. And, uh, and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. He's trying to find her, you, you know, to know. And, uh, the woman fearing and trembling. Knowing what had happened, what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. I believe she told him of her plan. I believe she told him what she'd heard. I believe she told him how she, she probably nervously, wouldn't you be nervous? Nervously sneaked through that crowd and touched his garment. And, uh, and he said unto her, daughter, isn't that something he called her daughter? Your faith has made you whole. Not the providential will of God has made you whole. But your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now let me talk about the providential will of God for just two seconds. I don't have a problem with the providential sovereign will of God. Because the providential solid will of God is... is uh exposed in the word. And so I can say, like we confessed this morning to start the service, I am everything this word says I am, and I have everything this word says I have. Amen. So I don't, I don't keep questioning God's will like, like I don't trust him. You know, we love to sing the song, trust and obey, or or trust, trusting in the Lord songs. There's several, a few titles. 
And um, I love to, to think about that. But, you know, we talk about, do you trust the Lord or trust in the Lord or in God we trust? You know, it's like, do we really trust him? Because if we go to him in prayer and say, now, Lord, I know your word says that healing belongs to me. But if for any reason it's not your will for me. I, in other words, if for any reason you're not telling the truth and you're bald faced lying. Then that's fine, too. Now, I mean, what? And then say, then I trust the Lord. No, you don't. You're a liar. He's not a liar. You're the liar. Can I just be that bold, 70s word of faith, bold, what runs off everybody? But anyway, it's the truth, isn't it? Either God's word is true or it's not. And if any of it is not true, then maybe all of it's not true. You know, if you find somebody's lied to you, you tend to back away from them and go, okay, you say you're telling the truth, but that's what you said that last time you made up stuff. You get to the point where they have no credibility. And believe it or not, the religious world has tinkered with the credibility of God and his word to where we really don't trust it because, well, I know that's what it says, but what if he doesn't want to do that now? Well, then he's a liar like anybody else. That's the truth. I said that one time in a church of God up in uh, Atlanta area. And I mean, I had a guy, when I said that, he backed away from me. I, I don't even stand next to you. I said, why? You might get struck with lightning saying something like that. I said, well, you've just identified the fact that you don't believe the word. It's either true or it's not, folks. And you can't come with some religious idea or something that you got from eating too much spaghetti the night before, uh, uh, a pasta reality, uh, a revelation, indigestion it's called. Uh, you might have clogged an artery in your brain. I don't know, something, you know, and you're having problems. But um, either God's word is true or it's not. And actually God likes it when we hold him to his word. Because it shows Father God, Abba Father, Daddy Father, Papa, whatever your term of affection would be towards your dad. I trust you. And if you said it, it's so. Amen. One of the things that we can confess about the word, too, is that uh, uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. And that's the end of it. So you can see how this woman got a faith plan, said it, and worked it out. She She just simply did, I believe, what she saw herself doing by faith. And so she managed to get out there and get her miracle. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. And there's another story, you know, of a woman that, uh, just real quickly, there's another story of a woman in the Bible that that um, brought the daughter that was demon-possessed. I, I, I've, I've, I've said to everybody, if you've ever had a teenage daughter, you understand that prayer request. Um but um, uh, uh, or son, for that matter. But it brought this. It brought the, the the daughter to Jesus and said she's demon possessed, and I need a you know I need deliverance and for her. And he said, "You're not 
you're you don't I don't have it you don't have a covenant with me because she was she was not of 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 the tribe of Israel and she didn't have any covenant neither did Naaman um the Syrian Syrians don't have a covenant with anybody hardly and if they do they break them so I mean it's not a good tribe so far um, unless they get redeemed amen and uh the this uh, this uh, the Syrian was the only one that they got a miracle and he has no covenant with the with the tribe and the same with this woman right has no covenant and Jesus said it's not meat or proper or kosher to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs and she said go ahead and call me a dog I'll be a dog but dogs eat the crumbs and he said this is the greatest faith I have found in Israel so here's a woman with no covenant people say well, I don't know, you know, I have to be part of the whatever. No, praise God, you just have to be part of the faith tribe. <laughs> so faith will always work. And it will overcome all. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to come to the part in the service where we pray, especially for those, not only for here, but here in the sanctuary, but also watching on Internet. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for those who have Come today to the uh, service, those who uh, might, uh, uh, and those that are watching on internet, Lord, especially those, we thank you that uh, your healing power and touch can flow right from this platform to them in Jesus' name. And uh, you just put your hand where you're suffering, wherever you have a need, wherever there's a weakness or, or something that you need uh, restoration healing in, in Jesus' name. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors to dry up and disappear. Any kind of demonic uh, spirit of infirmity has to go in Jesus' name. Any kind of curses that have been spoken over anyone, we, 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 uh, we say that they have to fall by the wayside. Bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Anybody with mental illness or depression or frustration or fear, in Jesus' name, uh, go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Those that have a material or financial need, Father, I thank you that this week you show yourself strong in their lives and show them that you're interested and that you care about their condition. In the name of Jesus, be healed and be whole in every area. Uh, in, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Dan, if you would come.